Today on Let the Bible Speak. Besides the Lord Jesus Himself, today we turn to the greatest example we can look to to learn how to serve God and live the Christian life. Good morning and welcome to Let the Bible Speak. I'm so happy to be with you and I'm thankful that you're part of our viewing audience today to open God's Word and to study what it has to say to us. One of the best ways to learn any skill or craft is to observe somebody else who is proficient or an expert at that thing. Many professions allow students of that profession to become an apprentice, that is to observe and work alongside somebody already trained. The Christian life is really the same way. The Scriptures make us wise unto salvation, and they are given for teaching, reproof, and correction, as well as instruction in righteousness, according to Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. But seeing the truth of the gospel lived out in the life of another is a great help and encouragement. Jesus is, of course, our ultimate example. But on one occasion, Paul said that he was also a pattern for believers. Read with me in 1 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in the 12th verse. Here he says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me, because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant, with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtained mercy, that in me first Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on Him for everlasting life. Well, here Paul sets himself forth as a pattern for believers a pattern in how he was saved by the grace of God despite his sinful past. And he sets himself forth throughout his writings as a pattern for believers to follow in being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, what it means to live for the Lord. Well, today we want to see how Paul serves as a pattern in salvation, sanctification, and service. And we'll entitle our study, Patterned After Paul. And I'll return with that after a song from the congregation. There are many, many things on the
Aside from the Lord Jesus, the Apostle Paul is perhaps the most beloved but also hated people found in the Scriptures. To those who love him, he's a hero of the Christian faith, he's a pillar in the church, he is a royal ambassador of King Jesus. Those who hate him do so because of his controversial teachings on several subjects. That was the case in the first century when Paul lived, just like it is today. Paul had his followers then and he had his enemies, even within the church. Uh, there were those such as the Judaizers who continually tried to discredit Paul as teaching a false doctrine because he preached that men were and are free from the law of Moses and particularly the requirement of circumcision. He taught that the old covenant was fulfilled and abrogated at the cross according to Colossians 2 and verse 14 and that he had established a new covenant and a better and living way. So there were those who denied and despised his apostolic authority. He wasn't as popular as you might think, even in the early church. There were those who even denied that Paul was an apostle of Christ. And so Paul dedicated much of his writing, especially to the churches of Corinth and Galatia, to the defense of his apostolic credentials and thus his authority. That's why he defended his position as an apostle, because it was really his authority that was being challenged. He said in 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 1, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? Now, you see, to be an apostle of Christ meant that one was personally chosen by Jesus and made the ambassador or representative of Christ and His kingdom. The apostles were chosen by Jesus. They were endowed with the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And uh, because of this, they serve as the foundation of the church, Ephesians 2 and verse 20. And that's why Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 15, said, For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Now, there are a lot of people that exercise great influence and leadership within our lives and within our churches today, but nobody occupies the position and the office and the authority that the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ occupy, those men that Jesus chose in the first century and sent forth to represent Him and His government in His kingdom. So Paul was their pattern, and he consequently is our pattern. But yet many reject his teachings, and they refuse to follow those teachings in the Christian life and in the work and the worship of the church. But today, I want us to look at how Paul is a pattern for those who want to please the Lord. You cannot say you want to follow Jesus and then reject the teachings of Paul. If you follow one, you follow the other. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 37, If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. So to follow Paul is to follow Jesus. And if you reject Paul, you are rejecting the word and the will and the authority of Jesus himself. So let's look at Paul as a pattern in every aspect of our life. First of all, Paul is a pattern for us in conversion. Now, Paul was a Jew, and for a large part of his life, he not only was not a follower of Jesus, uh, he hated and he rejected Christ and his disciples. And so in Acts chapter 9, we find him persecuting Christians. And at that time, he was on his way to Damascus to arrest more believers. But the Lord intercepted him on that journey that day. 
And there was a spectacular experience that took place, an encounter on the Damascus Road, and his world was radically changed when Jesus met him on that road, and Saul's life was never the same again. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, recounts the story. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. Now, one may say, Well, you know, that's a lot like my conversion. I believe I had a Damascus Road type of experience because I had a great encounter with the Lord. I was overwhelmed by some emotional feeling or moment, or I had an experience, I heard a voice, I saw a light. Uh, you know, it was a better felt than told kind of experience, and that's evidence that I have been saved, that I have found favor in God's sight. And so they will say, well, I was saved like Saul. But friend, what I want you to notice is Saul was not saved when he met Jesus on the Damascus Road. If you want more information on that, you can go to our website ltbstv.org, and you can search for the sermon, The Damascus Road, that we preached a few years ago, and we'll go into much greater detail. But Saul was not saved on the Damascus Road. He was told to go and to wait in the city, and someone would come and tell him what to do. And we then read in verses 17 and 18 that the Lord sent Ananias down to the house where Saul was waiting and restored his sight and told him what to do, just like Jesus said he would. What did Ananias tell him to do? Well, look in Acts 22 and verse 16. The record says that Ananias told him, And now why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now there's the pattern. You see, Saul had not yet called on the name of the Lord. And the scripture says in Romans 10 verse 13 that one must call on the name of the Lord in order to be saved. How do we call on the name of the Lord? Acts 22 16 shows us how one calls on the name of the Lord. Ananias says, by being baptized to wash away one's sins. That is the expression of our faith. That is our plea for salvation and for a good conscience. So if you want to be saved like Paul was saved, you've got to be baptized into Christ for the remission or forgiveness of sins. Uh, contrary to what many will tell you in religion today, what most will tell you in religion today, that's what Saul learned and that's what Saul did and he became a child of God, and that's what the Scriptures consistently tell people to do in order to be saved. To have your sins washed away with the blood of Christ, you need to follow Saul's example. In faith, arise and be baptized, thus calling on the name of the Lord. That's how your conversion can be patterned after Paul's. So you say, well, why then did Jesus appear to Saul on the Damascus Road if it wasn't to save him? Well, it was to qualify him to be an apostle. I mean, he could have sent some preacher to him and intercepted Saul somewhere along his way and taught him the gospel. But there was more to it than that in this case because the Lord wanted to do more than just make Saul a Christian. He wanted to make him an apostle, a unique apostle to send to the Gentiles. And a qualification of being an apostle was to have seen the resurrected Christ. 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 1. Acts chapter 1 bears that out as well. 
So that's how Saul was converted. But notice what his conversion meant. Well, for one thing, Paul's conversion caused him to change his religious beliefs and practice. Uh, He had to leave the sect of the Pharisees and become simply a follower of Christ, and he was ready to do that. Are you willing to leave a church you can't read about in the Bible to be a part of the church you do read about in the Scriptures? Sometimes that's hard for people because that church that they are called upon to leave is one that their family has always been a part of and cherished. Well, that was the case with Paul. Paul's conversion, conversion caused him to go against his parents. He was raised a devout Jew under the law. It was part of his family bloodline and heritage. It caused him to disagree and likely sever ties with friends. Are you willing to forsake father, mother, or friend to truly follow Jesus? Paul, after enumerating all of those things in his past in Philippians 3 and verse 7, said, I counted them all loss for Christ. No wonder Paul can be said to be our pattern in conversion. Now second, Paul is our pattern in doctrine. And here's where many part ways with Paul. Namely because Paul's teachings about several subjects are grossly out of step with modern times. In fact, Paul's teachings often conflicted with the cultural norms of his own time. But listen to him in 1 Corinthians 11 beginning of verse 1. Imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you. You see, Paul was enjoining certain things upon them by his authority. Paul, being an apostle inspired by the Holy Spirit, gives his writing authority even in the modern church. You ever heard someone say, though, I go by what Jesus said, not Paul, or who we really need to pay attention to is Jesus. What Paul said is fine as far as it goes, but we really need to just follow the words of Jesus. Or somebody might say, uh, I go by the words in my Bible that are in red. And if you have a Bible that distinguishes Christ's words in red letter text, well, you need to know the red lettering merely designates those words that were directly spoken by Jesus and recorded by the Bible writer. But we must understand what is in red is not all that Jesus said. Friend, Jesus said all of it. This is all the revelation of Christ because it was given from Christ by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Paul declared to the skeptical Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, 3, Since you seek a proof of Christ speaking in me. Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 and 1 refers to himself and the other apostles of Jesus when he states, Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He said in 2 Thessalonians 2.15, Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23, that the things he delivered unto them were the things he had received of the Lord. So he received those things from the Lord, delivered them unto them, and he says we are to keep the traditions as he delivered them. Now how do you deal with that if you say there is no pattern for how the church is organized and governed and how it worships? So why do people want to reject the authority of Paul and the credence of what he wrote in the New Testament? I think the answer is rather obvious because Paul said such things as this in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 34, Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is shameful for women to speak in the church. You know, I dare to say most churches today wouldn't allow you to stand up and preach that from their pulpits, at least not without a great degree of qualification. And they likely wouldn't have liked it if Paul did either because they dismiss it when he wrote it in the Scriptures. They ignore it. Many don't like what Paul taught about morality. 
He categorized things like adultery, fornication, and homosexuality as sexual impurities and as sinful behaviors in the eyes of God, according to passages like Galatians 5, 19-21, Romans 1, verses 26-32. But friend, Paul was speaking as the ambassador of Jesus himself, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20. And ambassadors are vested with the authority of the king to speak on behalf of that king and his royal government. Remember that Jesus told Peter and the other apostles in Matthew 16, 19 that when he built his church, he would give them the keys of the kingdom. And he said, Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Paul, along with the other apostles, serve as our pattern and our authority in doctrine. Then third, Paul is our pattern for preaching. And I do believe we've lost our way concerning what preaching is, what preaching is for. Many of today's preachers do not resemble in word, deed, or demeanor the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was indeed the prince of preachers. And he is a wonderful pattern for any man who would be entrusted with the Word of God to carry it to others. He ought to be a measuring stick by which you judge gospel preachers. Paul was studious, he studied, he knew the Word of God, he was consecrated, he loved Christ and the church above everyone and everything else, so much, he would, so much so he would die for them. He coveted the truth. He had a yearning love for the lost and he saw it as a debt that he owed to preach the gospel to them. Romans 1 verses 14 through 16. Preaching wasn't a career to Paul. Preaching wasn't merely a paycheck to Paul. In fact, many times Paul went without a paycheck, but he still preached. Paul's preaching was not political. It was not patriotic. He did not go about draped in the flag or standard of the Roman Empire promoting the Caesar, other than to urge Christians to submit to the authority of the king, so long as it did not contradict the law of the king of kings, Christ. His preaching was aimed to point people to Christ, not to himself, not to make himself a star, it wasn't about politics. It wasn't to promote some secular social cause or anything else. He aimed to instruct people in righteousness, exhort them to faithfulness, to rebuke and admonish those living in sin, to comfort those who were troubled, to warn those who were lost. And that's the simple mission of the faithful gospel preacher today. When Paul needed to rebuke sin, he rebuked sin. When Christians needed to be encouraged by the promises of God, he encouraged them. When people needed to be reminded of their identity in Christ, he reminded them of the gospel whereby they were saved and wherein they stood. He went about preaching Christ and Him crucified, establishing congregations of the church of Christ, strengthening those churches and fighting for the faith. Now that's what preachers need to concern themselves with today if they're gospel preachers. He wrote in 1 Thessalonians 2 verses 11 through 13, As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged Every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectually works in you who believe. Well, there Paul sums up the ministry of a preacher. And listen to his final and tearful words to the elders at Ephesus. They're a solemn and sobering charge to every man who would preach the gospel. And I would remind any preacher or teacher today, we will answer to the Lord by this standard. 
He told them in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 25, And indeed, now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. I wonder how many of we preachers can truly say that today. Do we hesitate to preach the truth because of how people will react to it? Perhaps we'll lose support or popularity. Perhaps we'll be run away from the church where we labor. And therefore we walk the line and we preach whatever will keep us in the good graces of the church. Friend, I'd rather be in the good graces of God. Now if a man's preaching false doctrine, he needs to be run off from the church or repent. But if we refuse to preach the word of God and declare the whole counsel of God regardless of the consequences, we're not a faithful preacher and we don't preach like Paul. I'll assure you, Paul would not be voted preacher of the year. He would not be seen as America's preacher. He wasn't then. He would not be today. Paul is a pattern for the faithful and true gospel preacher. And finally, I want to say that Paul is our pattern in Christian living. If you want to know what the depth of the Christian life is, simply look at Paul's life. It was devoted from beginning to end and top to bottom to the service of Jesus Christ. It was his life. He said in Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. And Paul's life was one of the most remarkable ever lived. I can say without fear of successful contradiction that, anyone, that, that nobody ever lived a more conscientious, consecrated, and sacrificial Christian life than Paul did. It'll take eternity to reveal all that Paul did, said, and sacrificed for the cause of the kingdom of Jesus. And before his life ended with the flash of an executioner's sword, Paul had suffered deprivation, abuse, threats, ingratitude, personal attack because of his allegiance to Christ, and he was burdened daily with the care of the churches that he loved and to which he had devoted his life. He details all that in 2 Corinthians the 11th chapter. In short, it was not a career to Paul. It was a consecrated life. The Christian life to Paul was not a life of convenience. It was a life of conviction. And the will of Jesus governed every aspect of Paul's life, his thought life, his behavior, his dealings with other people, his work in the church. It was his food. It was his drink. It was the breath that he breathed. Christ was his all in all. In fact, one time he was put in the position of not knowing whether he wanted to continue to live or die and go on to be with the Lord. And he said this, to me, to live is Christ. To live is Christ. It wasn't a platitude. That wasn't just a saying. He meant his life wholly was consumed by the service and the passion and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, if we're to live a Christian life, we're to yearn to be like Paul. He is the believer's pattern today in conversion, in doctrine, in preaching, and in consecration in Christian living.
If you're prepared to begin living for the Lord Jesus and you wish to begin that journey in gospel obedience, we would be happy to assist you in taking those steps. If you would like to learn more about God's saving plan of redemption and how you can become obedient to that plan, we would be happy to put you in touch with someone close to you who can help you to understand God's will for your life and to put that plan into practice in your life and to help you obey the gospel. So get in touch with us. And if you'd like a free printed copy of our lesson today, we'd be glad to send that to you. As always, it is without any charge or obligation. Just let us know you would like a copy of today's lesson and ask for the transcript of Patterned After Paul, and we'll get that on its way. Thank you for joining us for Let the Bible Speak. Remember, we're online, and we do appreciate you helping us to promote our online uh, social media pages as well as our website, ltbstv.org. And if you're looking on social media, just search for Let the Bible Speak TV. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak TV. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you have a great week ahead and that you'll make your plans, if God is willing, to join me back here for another Bible study next time. Until then, God bless you. Let the Bible Speak is brought to you by The Church of Christ. For more information, including our past broadcast and sermon transcripts, visit ltbstv.org. Thanks for being with us today. Join us next time for Let the Bible Speak.